Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello, podcast family. Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Today, we are joined by Rob Bailey and Sam Clark, and we are talking mindset and your pain. So mindset and your response to pain is something that we've obviously covered before on the show. And let's face it, we're likely to cover it again and again. Let's not forget we had the fantastic Donald Robertson talking through the modern day application of a stoic mindset and philosophy to better handle any negatives in your life. And on top of that, you've probably noticed that mindset, or at least your perception of your pain and problems, is something that crops up with about 90% of our guests. Now, when we talk about mindset or your perception of pain, please know this is not meant to diminish or undermine the very real presence of your pain. In fact, an attitude of it's all in your head can actually be extremely damaging to someone who is experiencing very real pain right now. Our aim is simply to acknowledge the presence of the pain. It's there, it's real, it sucks. But if we can alter our mindset around that pain, it may help us to weather the storm whilst the mechanical or neurological issues and symptoms are calming down. As primary healthcare practitioners, Rob and I, we are all too aware that positive mindset is super important, especially for anyone listening with chronic or long-term pain. However, if you do have persistent or new symptoms, please still do get them checked out by a healthcare professional or an MSK practitioner, your classic chiro, physio or osteo. So, on with today's show. Now, look, we're talking to Rob Bailey and Sam Clark. Uh, These guys are two chiropractors who focus specifically on chronic pain and rehabilitation. Now, they founded the Movement Studio. This is an online back pain clinic that takes patients through a rehabilitation program designed for those struggling with long-term back problems. Their program focuses on three core principles of mindset, movement, and mindfulness, so the three M's. We have a chat with the boys about their 3M concept and how it could help you improve your pain. Now, as per usual, I've got the technical difficulties on my end, um, and I sat in silence for most of the talk whilst Rob, quite frankly, did all of the heavy listening. However, I still hope you enjoy the listen today, guys. As always, we genuinely do love hearing from you, so keep the messages, suggestions, and support coming in. Remember, if you haven't done so already, please do review us on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you listen to us on. It's the ultimate way to say thank you, and it really, really does help us out finally for all of you uh, listening to the back pain podcast in a tesla and sending us pictures come on guys please feel free to tag tesla or even elon himself um who knows maybe he gets back pain from carrying around all that bitcoin it'd be fantastic to get some engagement from the tesla team right guys mindset and your pain the back pain podcast here we go Right, guys, welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. Rob and Sam, how are you doing? All right. Hey, all good, yeah. man. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for, uh, for joining us to talk all about mindset today. So as we've mentioned in the introduction, 
we're talking about mindset, back pain, how your mindset can influence pain and so on and so forth. So we'll jump straight into it. What is mindset? Do you want to take this, Rob, or do you want me to take it? Uh, you go. All right, okay. So pain mindset, we call it the pain recovery mindset. Obviously, it relates more to back pain. So this is kind of the, the avenue we go down when we do it with our patients. Um, mainly, the biggest thing we want to get across with mindset, and particularly in relation to pain management, is that the way you think, the way you feel, what you believe about your pain has a massive influence on your potential to recover. You know, ultimately... Um, what we think, feel and believe changes the way we behave and our behaviours can then really have a positive or a negative influence over what we do to get better and how we manage our issues. So for us, mindset is really about that. It's about managing the things that you might say to yourself um, when you've got pain, the self-talk as such, managing those beliefs, upregulating your, um, sorry, updating your education about pain, making sure you know the myths about back pain, mm -hmm. which there are many, yeah. right? Um, uh, and spread by many people. So really it's about getting all that stuff in order so that our patients can talk to us about their pain kind of more as equals rather than that classic patient um, uh, clinician dynamic. Because if we can do that with them, then we're starting from the same, same point. We're meeting them where they are in their journey, wherever they are in their recovery. And we can start immediately putting things in place that are going to help them get better because we're starting at the same point. We haven't got to convince them of anything other than the fact that they need to get better and recover. We haven't got to bust any myths and we haven't mm -hmm. got to try and unwind any problems they have, you know, up in the head as yeah. such. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally understand that. So then how does a mindset or someone's mindset have an influence then on their back pain? You know, how, how does this happen? You know, both from a good mindset and a, and a negative or a bad mindset, if we call it that. Uh, I think in terms of in terms of a negative mindset, a lot of it comes down to what you're what you're thinking or what you're believing about your back pain, and that I think a lot of that, as as we kind of mentioned, kind of stems from the education. So fully understanding what is happening in your body when you're when you're feeling pain, when you're feeling good, um, what you actually have the capacity to do to yourself as well. I think a lot of patients. I had a conversation with a patient yesterday who was concerned that they had were causing themselves a lot of damage, and that thought process and that concern in itself brings about other worries that affects their behaviors um, and that then has a big impact on what they're going to be doing going forward so getting that base level of, of education in the right direction um, is not just important for your decision making but it's also like a self-reassurance as well I think um, yeah I mean it's put it this way you've got you've got a patient who comes in perhaps they've been told by a doctor or a family member that they've got arthritis and then that they'll never get better they just have to deal with it. it's one of those things right so straight away that patient's mindset is being influenced they're starting to think man I'm damaged I'm gonna have pain forever I can't lift I can't move I can't play with my kids I can't do the sports I used to do and so all those things all those things that they're now believing about their problem are beginning to negatively impact not only the way that their muscles function that their joints function but also so their actual quality of life. And I know, you know, when I had my issues, that was a huge problem for me. You know, I started believing that, you know, and I'm a chiropractor, I should be you know, on this stuff. <laughs> and I felt really guilty about it because I could feel all these beliefs creeping in. You know, um, I felt, you know, I'd been told by other chiropractors and other doctors that I had a pelvis issue and that I had all these other problems. I was taking loads of medication. And so that whole headspace, that whole mindset was negatively influenced. And you, you patients, I mean, you've probably seen it yourself as well, guys, you know, patients come in and they believe that they're, they can't get better. 
You know, they believe that they're broken and they're broken machines and recovery isn't possible. So if we can begin to shift that and show people that actually your body isn't a broken machine, it might feel like it, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's, it's something that can change. It's something that can adapt. Mm -hmm. Your biology can be modified and it starts uh, the way you think and what you believe about that stuff. Because ultimately, if you don't believe you can get better as a patient, you're going to have a really tough time getting better. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's kind of where we're at with mindset yeah. stuff. And there's also quite a big, um, I think there's a big, in, in terms of talking about nocebo, so having a, a, a negative impact just from your thoughts, from your own thought process on your recovery. Um, if, if, yeah, if you're founding, some of your foundation beliefs around your back pain are very nocebic, then I think that's a very, very difficult platform to make any kind of recovery from. Uh, and it's also very then dif very difficult for you then as a patient to take control of the situation when the actual founding belief that you have around back pain is hugely negative. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's important to state at this point that, you know, a lot of this is is not a patient's fault. You know, no, no, a lot of these, no, no, these fears and these, these mindsets, yeah, is the right word, I guess, are, have been perpetuated through society for mm -hmm. centuries, you know, give or take, you know, that arthritis is there for life or once you've got a bad back you're always going to have a bad back you know all things which we've heard you know, for a long time which we now know are you know factually incorrect and i hope everyone listening to that understands that but it's very easy these kind of creep into your psyche and you know yeah. if someone says to you, you you know oh it's just a bit of arthritis you know and the doctor's standing there knowing exactly what he means by that and he, know, he knows that this patient's not going to have for life but because he's said the word arthritis mm. you know that brings about a whole fear connotation yeah. everything that goes alongside with that with that problem Loads um, of which is yeah exactly so what can people then look out for um kind of in their you know is it their self-talk that's running through their head or is it their beliefs you know what can they look out for that they you know that they don't want to say should be worried about but should maybe pay attention to i i personally think it's it's the fear do we have fear around doing something yeah, I mean, well, we, I don't know if anyone's come, your patients and listeners will have come across the whole fear avoidance thing, right? So you hurt your back, you get worried about hurting your back more, so you avoid doing certain activities. But the problem with that is obviously, um, if you keep doing that, your body becomes deconditioned, and then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Things get worse because your body loses the ability to function because you're avoiding it. So if we can go, we want to go a little bit deeper on this. This is actually something I'm studying at the moment in my um, MSc, which I'm doing with uh, Cardiff Medical School. And we're looking at the idea of um, fear being one component of pain-related anxiety. So again, this arcs back to that whole mindset thing. If you're worried and anxious about the idea of getting pain, well, that's not really going to be very useful for you because we know that pain is in some ways a part of life um, and we need to manage the impact that that pain has on our, on our, on our general circle of function and our life in general. So I really liked what you said about the historical connotations with the whole uh, mechanistic way of thinking, you know, we can track that back to the industrial revolution where everyone was, you know, machines were beginning to develop and we had a deeper understanding of mechanics and we applied that whole mindset to our bodies. And that's why people think about their bodies in a mechanistic way. Mm -hmm. And so nowadays, what we should really be doing is leaving those thought processes and societal beliefs behind and thinking about the body more as a biological, adaptive, ever-changing mechanism that can um, change as a result of the way you think and feel. So is that the whole mind-body kind of, you know, they are connected? We're, you know, as you yeah. said, we're not a machine. You can't swap out parts. It's the 
we used yeah. to think that you could separate the mind from the body and pain was you know a direct response of something going wrong in the body whereas we now know the driver of pain is hugely you know combined with the brain so then the, those those fears those thoughts those negative connotations can then directly actually increase pain and and correlate you know yeah. negatively or positively whichever way you look at it with pain well let's use an example of that that's really good because you know, we can, with the whole mind-body thing is in itself, we can question whether that's even um, a viable uh, thought process anymore. You know, the idea of duality, the idea of the body being separate from the mind is something that's been around for, for decades, right? But now, now, if we're utilizing more up-to-date ways of thinking, we can't separate them. We know they're one and the same thing. What you think, let's, let's use fear as an example, since we talked about that. If you're scared about something, say back pain, scared of getting more back pain, then perhaps that causes the release of certain neurotransmitters from your brain. Maybe we're going to um, see some more adrenaline floating around the bloodstream, okay? Maybe we're going to see more uh, heart, a rise in heart rate. You're going to start sweating more. The muscles get tighter. The back gets stiffer as a result of all that stress and fear. And we all know that if we get end up with a stiffer feeling back and our muscles are tighter and more contracted for long periods of time, we all can, you know, we can make a very um, reasonable assumption that's not going to help our pain. So the, the mind-body thing, I feel, is something we, meet, we need to move away from and we try and move away from in our work now. We want it all to be viewed as one system so that people can take that information that we give them and apply it to every aspect of their life. And going on what you said there about how... The kind of the, the emotion for fear, for example, drives a lot of those biological things that are happening within our bodies. But we can then feel that. So if your back feels stiffer, that then kind of becomes the new input, if you like. We're now then thinking, well, actually, my back feels really stiff. Have I been doing something wrong? Is there something wrong? You know, is my core too weak, for example? Is something out of place? That's why I'm feeling so stiff. That then drives more of those emotions. That then drives more um, negative, if you like, biological changes within the body, which then will drive more changes in symptoms and it really becomes uh, a bit of a spiral in that case um and i think that's that's what we've quite often probably all of us have seen kind of that kind of level of uh, like the pain cycle if you like um which is something we, we feel is really important to kind of unravel that and just cutting through that with um some mindset coaching around how to okay the back feels stiff how do i respond to that now you're breaking that cycle actually okay the back's stiff but I've had a really bad night's sleep or I've been, I've been through loads of acute, a really stressful period over the last few weeks, or actually I've just not been exercising as much as I should have been. There's all those factors that we work with people to consider those and create that um, more multidimensional kind of thinking about the symptom is one of the things that we feel is can help people to break that cycle. Yeah. So it's a real mindset. So, so it's getting people who are, are in that cycle. And for people who are listening now, understanding that it's not necessarily that it's you know very rarely is pain just one thing and it's not just one thing that brought it on as you said we used to be uh, things out of place something stiff something's tight whereas if we can help people to understand that your pain is so multifactorial and as you said if you draw attention to well how did you sleep last night and what's your exercise been and how's that new job going or if you just moved house is your house on the market or you know, all those type of other stresses mm -hmm. they all have this kind of add-in to, to build up someone's pain and when someone realizes that they can then look for other things to try and break that cycle, which isn't necessarily about, well, I need to go and rest or I need to have that one thing to fix me because it's the, yeah. they understand that it's more than just one thing that caused it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the whole one thing um, idea is something that we, we, we actually go on about. So, 
Yeah, it's it, the idea of the one thing, the one thing that's causing my pain. It's, uh, it's a whole uh, mindset issue around that because if there's one thing that's causing my pain on the MRI scanner, on the x-ray or whatever, doctor said I was stiff, then there should be just be one thing that solves it, right? So then they're looking for that next one thing, that next injection, that next uh, ablation, which is a procedure you can have in hospital, um, the next drug, the next magical exercise that solves all the problems. When we start moving away from that one thing perspective and do what we call um, big picture thinking, yeah. so we're tying things together, it's liberating because a patient suddenly has that light bulb moment where, oh, I don't have to rely on one thing. I don't have to go to clinics all the time. I can actually start influencing this stuff from day one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I always say is uh, to patients, I'm sure you've heard it before, but I'll say it again. Um, you know, there's 167 hours, I think, in the week you're seeing a doctor or a clinician or a chiropractor or a physiotherapist for half an hour. Okay. So that's 166 and a half hours that you've got in your, in your week that you can be doing things to get your pain better if, if you know what to do. And if you've been shown it by a clinician who hopefully um, knows what they're doing and has your best interests at heart. So, you know, for patients who really want to take that control back, let's focus on those 166.5 hours, not just a half hour you're with us getting a treatment. No, that's that's. That, I really like that analogy. I think I'll probably be using that next <laughs> next week. So, so thank yeah, you for that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so why we kind of touched on it briefly? Um, you know, why do some people have you know a more negative mindset? You know, is that a particular subgroup of people? You know, or is it just some people are naturally that way, or is it just from you know over time they've been you know battled down through you know, well, I think- you know historical or old fashioned thinking? Hang on. I think, I mean, the, the, it, there's going to be, as with everything, there's a multi, uh, number of things that will be contributing to the issue for people. I think one of one of the big issues is it, that we would be aware of would be clinicians. So if a clinician is, is pushing that kind of diagnosis of there's a single thing wrong, there's a joint out of place or it's your core or your hips, th- there's these, these nocebic beliefs and diagnoses are going to be things that, you, you know, you're as a clinician, you're telling somebody there's something wrong with their body when actually there probably isn't. Um, and it pushes people towards those negative mindsets. And, and it's, it's even just in the way that the words that they use, like we talk about degenerative disc disease. I openly tell my patients, I hate that phrase disease. Like that's, that's nonsense. Really. We call it age related disc changes that, that makes more sense. And it's, it's taking away the threat of those words. Um, and I, and again, coming back to, the clinician thing, you, you, they're often pushing certain myths. It's definitely a problem that we see in, in management of back pain. The, the clinician, um, I think, has, I mean, don't get me wrong, clinicians, these are people out there who genuinely want to help patients, um, but it's about helping them in the right way that gives them that freedom and that, that positive mindset going forward. Yeah, some of that arcs back to, if we go down this just route a little bit more, you know, it's really important to put across that, it's no one specific group of people's fault that this happens. You know, doctors don't aren't sitting there thinking, how can I mess my patients up? They really want to help people. I can't tell you the amount of GPs that I've spoken to on, on various seminars, you know, and, and they're frustrated because they feel they don't have the tools necessary to help their back pain patients. And they're confused and, and they, they want these tools. But 
there are certain limitations at play. There are time limitations that they have, you know, average GP appointments, I think nine minutes. You can't unpack all this stuff in nine minutes. It's impossible. You know, there are so many factors at play. So one of the, th- one of the problems here is that, yeah, clinicians have perhaps outdated be- beliefs or ideas about back pain that they then push on and influence their patients with. Some people, some clinicians are just really busy. You know, doctors have to worry about heart disease, cancer, um, diabetes, things that kill people. They don't necessarily have the time to learn about back pain um, or they're, they're just not interested in it but that doesn't help back pain patients. Right. <laughs> so um, what we want to move forward with is try and getting, try to get clinicians to have perhaps a more updated view of, of back pain and how to, how to manage it. One of the other massive things that we see with this is the whole imaging paradigm. Okay. The idea that if I get an MRI scan, it will show me everything I need to know about my pain and it will tell me exactly where my pain is and what I can do with it. Um, and there's that phrase in there again, like you can't see pain on an MRI scan. You can't, you can see a structure, but you can't see pain. Um, and, you know, getting patients to really understand that an MRI scan in the context of back pain is really just there to reassure us that there's nothing terrible happening mm-hmm. and that it gives us that green light that we're after to move forward and start doing things that can actually help you. And take our focus away from all the scans and the images and the Mm -hmm. injections and single interventions. I I think it would be important to mention whilst we're just on MRIs that, um, I mean, there's actually research out. uh, When we look at back pain, we know that about 90% of it or just over 90% is multifactorial. And there's actually research out there that says if you're in that ninety in that just over 90% group of people and you have an MRI early on when you, when you, first experience back pain you're actually going to get worse outcomes long term which kind of i think that stat alone has to make people think actually do, do we need that mri if actually this is going to make a patient worse long term because there's just too much information on this it's too detailed and it's too and it's actually for over 90 percent people quite far removed from um the information that they actually need Mm. It's, it, yeah but is that i mean is is that largely then down to the explanation though? i mean because it's not directly because of the mri it's because yeah, of the an, explanation an mri is inert an mri is a piece of fact yeah. isn't it yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and yeah, an yeah. mri is not bad it's the explanation yeah, yeah it's the interpretation right yeah so that could then arc back to our clinician idea that you know the clinician reading the mri scan perhaps needs to have certain <clears throat> certain um beliefs and skills around that um, there's a recent, I was chatting to a, um, a pain management doctor the other day and he was saying, you know, I make sure all my MRI scans only go through one radiologist because we know that if we take one MRI and we get 10 different radiologists to interpret it, we end up with 10 different reports because the way those radiologists interpret the MRI is based on their own experiences, their own exposures to, to uh, image interpretation. So it's really interesting that he said that. Um, and it's something that I want to try and do in my practice because I feel if we can get just one person reporting an MRI and get that really standardized, it then helps us to uh, take that information downstream to the patient in a really reliable, empowering way that reassures them and doesn't terrify them, you know? As, as long as they're right as well. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah. quite, yeah, make sure he's got a good one. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Look, if, if you're listening to the podcast and you are a back pain sufferer, if you're seeking paint from a clinician, surely you're probably in the smaller margins of that 90%. That 90% figure is for people with some back pain. So when we're talking about early cases who, who get that, of course, if you've got some mild back pain, 
and you take an MRI, then you might uh, find some consequential findings that have possibly nothing to do with your pain. But if you're a long-term back pain sufferer who's got a very specific set of um, conditions, it's not bad to have an MRI. So like you said before, to ascertain that there's nothing else going on underneath. Mm-hmm. The, the, the MRI itself is an inert factual piece of evidence, a snapshot in time of that person's spine. Yeah. It's how it's uh given across by their clinician, be it a practitioner, chirophysio, osteo, be it a GP, mm-hmm. the the usage of the words um is obviously at the, the behest of that practitioner. But the actual MRI itself can show fantastic things, can be a very important piece of diagnostic oh. imaging sometimes. Yeah, of course. I mean we refer we don't yeah, don't get us wrong, we refer for MRIs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But I think uh yeah I mean, shit, Twitter's gonna come after you for that, mate. I know, damn it. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's, um, it's a matter of, you know, it's not the first thing we want to go for. And at least uh, in our experience with the slice of the patients in the world with problems that we see, um, we find that, you know, there is, there is, and certainly from picking up of the online patients in the support groups, there's a real narrative that, oh, I'm getting this horrible back pain and I need an MRI right now. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than perhaps that's something we look at further down the line. If we're not mm-hmm. getting the results we want, if we're not seeing yeah. the outcomes we expect to see with this problem, then we take the MRI scan yeah. I think that, because we need to rule out nasties. Yeah, we, we, we should reinforce that. We're, we're, not, um, we're not anti-MRI entirely. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more the sense of they have a place, but I think at the moment, they're lar- from our experience, they're largely being... Um, interpreted in the wrong way and probably to a degree overused as well because yes. again if, if, if you've got multifactorial low back pain then you you want to be working and attempting to cover all of those factors all those risk factors that are contributing to your pain and if that doesn't work then an MRI can be helpful to shed a bit more light on the subject to mm. um to rule stuff in and rule stuff out I guess at that point uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I think we're all on the same page we're all on the same page with that one the um so then people listen to this who again realize that they are in this negative space so they're sat there thinking oh you know i do have these fears i do have these you know beliefs which is hugely common you know most people who have some form of pain whether that's back pain knee pain headaches i've probably wondered that oh it's probably something serious or what if it's that or what if it's that or my family member has that so i'm a bit worried about this you know how can they then change it you know is this something which they're always going to be stuck with you know how can they change their their, their mindset I think the first step, um, as you kind of said, is is, is identifying it. Yeah, it's so understanding identi- that it's relevant. You know, um, it's very difficult to understand the importance of something and understand how we're going to change it if we don't first appreciate that it's a big factor. So going into the practical elements of how to change it, the first thing that we like to do with our people uh, that we work with is to just update their education a little bit, give them a little bit of information that's um, reflective of reality. Because a lot of the time, you mentioned a moment ago, Rob, the um, impact that perhaps some of their family members might have had on the problem and some of the, um, you know, some of the influences perhaps their family members are having on their pain from their advice that is almost definitely going to be um, from coming from the right place. But we want to try to update that advice so that it really empowers them. It really gives them that flexibility to recognize, hmm, maybe the way I'm thinking and behaving isn't helping my problem. Maybe the reason I keep getting this issue coming back over and over again is because there's something going on outside of me and that's what's influencing my body and I can change that rather than something that is inside of me and I mm-hmm. can't influence that at all. Yeah. 
Well, one of the things that we have in the program um, is we talk a lot about growth and fixed mindsets. So for those who don't know, um, a fixed mindset, to put it to put it quite bluntly, a fixed mindset is the thought process of I can't do that. And a growth mindset is I can't do that yet. And it's looking at that ability to work at something. So especially with back pain management, often things go wrong. We try and exercise or we try and do stuff and it goes wrong. We flare it up. We make it we make it feel worse. We increase our pain, but it's looking at that and going rather than at that point saying, okay, exercise doesn't work for me. Or even if you've, you've not improved at all, you know, sort of saying exercise doesn't work. Okay. How can I change it to make this work? If we know that exercise is a really great tool for back pain recovery, how do we shift what we're doing and how do we alter it and change it to get the most from it? Um, and it, and, and, and that's definitely something that we've, um, when people have gone through the program, they found really helpful is actually getting into that headspace of problem solving, um, problem solving their way through their recovery. Yeah, one of the I think something that might be useful for patients right now is the concept of one uh, percent consistent change, um, and it's the idea that you don't have to change everything all at once. You know, you don't have to put all this pressure on yourself to suddenly get better. Um, and you know, you kind of have to accept that right now I've got some back pain, and stop the struggle because when you embrace that you can then start thinking okay what's one thing that i can do this week that will help me it might be getting to bed a little bit earlier it might be just trying to modify uh, perhaps one of the exercises that your physio is giving you or something maybe just try doing it a little bit slower or maybe move a little bit less throughout the range of motion just one tiny little thing that perhaps you thought previously wasn't helping you and then thinking, how can I change that? How can I change the way I'm moving in a really simple, easy way that helps? And then next day, next week, you do another 1%. And over time, you build up a real collection of habits and behaviors that help you recover. And you do it in such a subtle way, a non-confrontational way that doesn't disrupt your life so much. that Actually, it's really easy. It just comes in naturally because you're taking it one step at a time and you're systematically mm -hmm. approaching it rather than um, viewing it as, as this massive, terrifying journey that you have to go on to try and get rid of your pain and get back to your life. Is that marginal gains concept? Yeah, yeah. It's similar. You know, yeah, that which yeah. I know took a bit of a beating in the press again today, but the um, it's that marginal gains concept. Yeah, just small changes here and there overall make big mm -hmm. rewards. Um, you know, so you don't if you're viewing that as well, I need to do this nine month exercise recovery program and treatment, then that sounds like a huge daunting task. What if you say, well? All I have to do this week is go to bed early and, you know, do three sets of exercises. Mm -hmm. Then that, that sounds a lot more manageable when you break things down. Yeah. Don't be hard bite size chunks. Don't be hard on yourself if you can't do it. Like things, things happen along the way um, that make this, um, make the journey quite difficult. So it, um, it takes time to create long-term results. You know, and I, and I think that's definitely an important thing for the for the listeners to take away. If you, even if you start working your mindset today, it will take a long time to do it. Um, I remember in actually last summer doing some lockdown workouts. I gave myself loads of knee pain, and I find myself talking to Sam about it. And I've I've got myself entirely in the wrong mindset in terms of how I'm using my exercise. And it is so it shows you how easy it is to just slip, kind of come off the rails with it. You just need someone just to change a, a fresh perspective, just to get you back on track. No, totally. So, I mean, are these techniques, you know, similar in in any way to kind of like CBT, which I know we've spoken before about on the podcast, you know, is this is this the same thing? Yeah, so there are elements taken from it. Um, really, it's... Uh, 
CBT is obviously cognitive behavioral therapy. There's kind of a, um, a new thing on the scene as well called ACT therapy. I don't know if you heard of that, acceptance and commitment therapy, which kind of brings in elements of CBT. And then moving forward from that in the realm of uh, physiotherapy and, and functional rehabilitation, you've got, um, what do they call it? Cogn cognitive functional therapy. So that is then a combination of elements of CBT, so, uh, certain aspects of it, combined with physical rehabilitation um, and patient education to provide a package of care, right? Have, I don't know if you've come across cognitive functional therapy before, but that's essentially what it is. Did Peter O'Sullivan's work? Yeah, 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 exactly. So si similar to that. Um, I think it might be that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's looking at really trying to uh, move away from the isolated compartmentalized view of well i need to have some cbt then i need to do some rehab then i need to have some spinal manipulation and some acupuncture and then i needed uh, medication and i need an injection thinking about it all as that big picture you know combining it together mm -hmm. so that everything ties in in an interconnected way that makes sense for you as an individual a person suffering with back pain if we can always relate it back to you and make it relevant for you then it's going to work much more effectively mm -hmm. rather than looking for that outside um, that outside thing. So, yeah, it does have similarities to CBT. Yeah, definitely. But I, it's always arcing back to the pain management side of things. There, there, there's a really nice quote from Laura Mosley. Um, so I don't know if your, your listeners know Laura Mosley. He's one of the, the biggest, uh, biggest pain researchers in the world. Um, and he talks about how we need to shift our mindset from thinking about um, the one thing that is wrong with our body and then trying to fix it and think about how do we create the right environment for recovery? Yeah, so and, your, and your environment facilitates your recovery yeah, exactly. rather than, you know, everything working against you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. So you guys have obviously, you know, created this back pain recovery mindset. You know, what is that? You know, how, how, can, you be, how can you get into a back pain recovery or, you know, I guess it's similar to any chronic pain, but, you know, back pain specifically recovery mindset? Yeah, so there's three sort of primary components. You want to go through that, Rob? Uh, yeah, we can go through that. So um, the fir first point for us is acceptance. So it's it's actually accepting. Okay, we have chronic pain, and it's that we, we want to accept actually where we're starting from. Um, and it's it's not really like it's not like you're you're admitting defeat, but we we need to know where we currently are and where we're going to go from that, um, and trying not to fight against pain if you like if you try and fight pain all the time you're you're, you're, you're gonna lose essentially in, in my opinion you you, you want to try and work with it because as we've said it is a normal having pain from time to time is a normal part of life um so yeah trying to tr like trying to trying to train a dog you know <laughs> you, you you can't force the dog to do stuff you have to work with it and train it to behave in a way that you want it to do um Another component that we use with people is optimism. So this is where growth mindset comes in. Um, we want to be optimistic that actually we are going to be able to make recovery. We know that how we think um, about a certain situation will affect the chances of long-term recovery. So being optimistic in the moment um, is important. We, we give our patients um, three tools, essentially, and you can where we sort of say you can find optimism in these because these are your daily tools and that's mindset movement and mindfulness so getting the mindset in place uh using movement um and then also using using some of our mindfulness stuff our cold exposure breath manipulation in there uh, and mindful meditations um final point on that is is flexibility 
um, which is probably the one I spend the most of the time talking to patients about in clinic. Um, you've got things will, as we said before, things will go wrong when you're trying to recover from back pain, but you need to accept that and you need to be flexible in how we're going to change our approach. Um, if, if we're, yeah, if we're trying to use exercise and we're doing really, really well, and suddenly we go outside of our circle of function, we cause a flare up, we exceed our tolerance. You're going to feel worse for a period of time. We need to be flexible to look at how we've been managing that. And then adapt how you've been man- how adapt what you've been doing so that that doesn't keep happening. Because if you've only yeah, got so that- so the ability to pivot and change and and adapt to your situation, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that can be really simple stuff. Like you know, if we use the idea of movement or an exercise that's hurting you, perhaps you've been given a movement or an exercise, and as a patient, you're finding it difficult to do. Um, and you're feeling frustrated with it. There are there's multiple things you can do to play around with that. You can change the speed that you do it. You can change the range of motion that you move through as you do it. You can make the actual movement a little bit smaller so that you don't reach the end point of your motion as easily. Uh, you can focus on just thinking about your breathing as you do it. So you're actually bringing your attention away from the exercise and you're really focusing on breathing and helping calm the nervous system down and letting those muscles um, do their thing with a lot more fluidity. So those are three things that you can apply straight away. And often when we do that, if we change the speed that we do the movement, if we change the range of motion, if we focus on the breathing, often exercises that were painful can become a little bit less painful and actually feel Mm -hmm. quite good. So, you know, you instantly you're thinking about what can I do to change what I'm doing mm-hmm. in order to serve me and serve my recovery rather than hinder it and, and act as a barrier to it. And I think it's, it's also about as well in that to carry on from that is if you are in a flare up, for example, OK, I know exercise is going to help me. How can I use this in this moment to actually start start the recovery just straight away? You flare your back up today. What can we actually start doing straight away to help? Um, and I think, yeah. From what you said, that's... Um... Yeah, it might even just be, if you can't get out of bed and you're having a really bad day, it might just be moving your pelvis a little bit and, you know, and taking some deep breaths. And in time, over the week and over the months, you then start building back up. One of the uh, problems that I've found, um, actually most recently with, with a couple of patients, is that they've gotten on really well with the initial frontline management for their pain. They've gotten so well with it, um, but then it stops. It doesn't keep getting, it doesn't keep progressing. Their rehabilitation doesn't keep progressing forward. And so for them to lift a 12 kilo bag out of the back of their back of their car and do that reliably and be able to trust their back to actually do that, they needed to do a bit more than just the lying on their on the floor and wiggling their pelvis a little bit. They perhaps needed to see that they can do that. So we take the kettlebells out, we take the weights out and we show them how they can move and lift in a way that actually makes sense in the real world. Because all these exercises on the exercise sheets are brilliant. They're amazing but they don't really mean much if they don't help you get better and, um, you know, enable you to lift your shopping bags and pick your kids up and kick the football. You know, that's the stuff that actually matters. Right. So I think that's a really important point. It needs to, all of this stuff needs to transition into reality, into whatever patient's reality is, Mm -hmm. is, you know, is existing at that time. And I think then for patients, you know, making your clinician aware of that, of what you want to do is really important. So, you know, if you want to kick the football, if you want to play with your children, that's a very different goal to if you were wanting to run a hundred miles, you know, or, or run an ultra marathon. So being aware of where you want to be and making, you know, whoever you're seeing aware of that too is, is vital really for, for your recovery and for their kind of planning your, your recovery. Yes. They're going to try their best to do everything that they can to get you out of pain, whatever that might be. It'll be different depending on who you're seeing probably, but you know, they don't know your end goal always. So make sure that they are aware of that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I think for patients, it can be really um, something that perhaps they haven't reflected on because, you know, when you're in pain, you are just thinking about the pain, right? I know. And I, I yeah. take it back it's, to my it's, experience. It's supposed to do that, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's it grabs the purpose your of pain. It grabs your attention. So you don't think maybe, oh, what am I actual, what do I need to get back to doing? What do I want to get back to doing? So setting those goals in place in your own mind, if you've got problems, um, can really help because it externalizes what you want to be doing rather than, again, just zeroing in, laser focusing on that, that pain problem and then following, falling into the usual traps of, you know, I'm broken, do I need an injection, do I need this? And again, you know, all these things can help, but if we can think about the things that we're doing in the other 167 and a half hours, that's going to be quite useful. Yeah, so true. I love it. I love it. So I think let's, go over then kind of some top takeaways some top tips for for patients which you know listening to this they might have some long-term pain they worry that they might develop some long-term pain whatever situation people are in right now what can people actively do to improve their their mindset i think one of the things one of the really big things needs to be on focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't do so if you say, right, my goal is to be able to run a marathon, but I can't run at the moment without my back pain hurt, without my back really flaring up and getting loads of pain. You need to say, okay, what can I do? I can't run. Can I walk? Can I cycle? Can I do a hip workout? What can we do to just get the ball rolling? Um, can you implement some, some sleep hygiene, some good quality sleep? Can we implement um, effective stress management? So when we start looking at focusing on what we can do, rather than what we can't do, but being mindful of where we want to go. Um, I think that's a really, really important thing. Cause again, I think you guys probably experienced it as well. When patients come to you, generally they are a little bit lost. They know what they want to do because they've lost something that's really important to them, but they're not really sure how to get back there. And obviously if we can, if we can actually sit down and look at what is possible to take action on, then I think that that's a really, really important first step. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's something that really helps um, because you know you're shifting that you're shifting the attention away from the problem and towards the solution. And and when people experience that, it it, it you see something change behind their eyes. You know, you think, oh, I can actually do some of this stuff. Um, I can actually do X, Y, and Z. And I haven't really even thought of that because I've been so focused on my problem, I've forgotten all the things I can do. Mm-hmm. And if we get them doing that and then we can arc that back into their actual recovery in a clinical context, I can say, well, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's use a different analogy instead of the marathon. Let's think about, I don't know, a patient wants to just be able to go for a walk, you know, in the evening with, with, with the missus and the dog, you know, oh, I can't walk the usual route I do. I like to do a five mile route and I can't do it. I like to do a two mile route. Well, how about you just walk to the end of the road and back, you know, and that's a small little victory that you can have. And then you can add that, you can implement that 1% consistent change. Let's walk to the end of the road and then the next yeah. street light and then go back again. And over time, your body's going to let you get where you need to yeah. go. You're working with it, not against it. And then when you start layering multimodal approaches on top of that. So one of the things that me and Sam both use in terms of our own lifestyle management is cold exposure um, or breath manipulation. When you start layering those things on top of that, it then really starts to starts to snowball the, um, the improvement. So that segues into another takeaway, actually. Um, it's that, 
in, perhaps instead of thinking so much, and don't, it's not discounting all the stuff that healthcare professionals can do for you as a patient. There's loads of stuff that, that healthcare professionals can do to help you along your journey. But perhaps that's 50% of it. The other 50% would be perhaps what, can, what skills can I learn that's going to help me get better? Are there any things that I can do to actually enhance my ability to take mm -hmm. control of my pain? So um, again, it arcs back to, well, maybe I haven't, considered the influence that stress is having on my life can i perhaps get good at some uh, mindfulness work some meditation work that really helps manage stress and we know that stress is heavily linked to pain so if you're the sort of person perhaps who thinks about mindfulness as something a bit hippy dippy and a bit uh, out there and woo woo maybe employing some of that flexible mindset training to that and thinking maybe i should actually give it a go because there's a hell of a lot of evidence out there to show that it works and maybe if i just open myself up to the possibility that it could help me i might get a lot of benefit from it so and you know in terms of that what would be your one you know mindfulness tip i guess or one mindfulness practice that someone listening can do you know would that be a breathing technique would it be a meditation you know what would it be that if you could only pick one what, what would it be your go-to <laughs> i think a really nice place to start with this is something really simple um it's called a progressive muscle relaxation okay you can look that up on youtube you can look it up from pretty much any meditation app and it's just um usually starting with the breath starting with some deep breathing exercises and the person guiding you will take you through um, focusing on how each part of your body feels, how your wrist feel, how your hand feel, elbow, shoulders. And you'll find at the end of it, um, you'll be really aware of all the bits of your body that actually work really well and feel really good. <laughs> and you can understand perhaps that actually it gives it everything a little bit more context. And I don't think there's a sing single time that I've done a progressive muscle relaxation um, meditation and not felt better after it than when I did before. So that would probably be my start point. Oh, perfect. No, I like it. Uh, I'll, something I'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll try and find one and pop it in the show notes for people to, uh, for people to try if you can uh, link to one on a yeah, YouTube yeah, video or, or something like that. I think we've got some. We'll, we'll, Brilliant. we'll give you one that we've, we've made. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Fan fantastic guys. Well, well, thank you so much for, you know, for kind of for taking the time to chat to us today about that mindset and about how you can change your mindset for back pain. Where can people go, mind, go to find out a bit more about you, about the course you offer, you know, so and so on? I think just the, fa the Facebook group. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We can do that. So we run, a, we run a free Facebook support group, okay? It's called... Lo Low Back Pain Recovery. Low Back Pain Recovery. Um, and, you know, it's run by us. So it's run by clinicians. There's another member of our team as well. So what you can do is you can just jump onto that group. There's absolutely tons of content on there mm -hmm. that will help you understand more about your pain, what it is, what it isn't, ways that you can help yourself. And I think if you just jump on there, it's completely free. And really our mission on that is just to help as many people as we can um, mm -hmm. to build a bit more of a healthier relationship yeah. with their pain and their recovery. Um, yeah, we have an online back pain rehabilitation program as well. Yeah. Um, and that's you know really good. We're finding actually it's, in many ways, a lot more effective than some of the stuff that we were able to do in clinic because we can spend so much more time with people online and they mm. can go through it. It's like Netflix, you know, you watch it and then um, you do it and then we can talk to each other more as equals. Yeah. That's so so if, if anybody wants to read about that, you can find that on our on our Facebook page. So it's the Movement Studio Programs. Uh, and then you'll find out about our program, which is called the Spinal Recovery Program, which uh, we talk a little bit about on there. Um, and we also talk more in depth about the whole program within that 
the Facebook group, as, as we mentioned, low back pain recovery. Yeah, just jump on there. Jump on there if you want some free tips and some help and uh, we'll see you on there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for uh, for that, guys. We will pop some links in the uh, in the show notes uh, to Facebook groups. And uh, are you guys on, on social media, Twitter? Cheers. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Awesome, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you all on the next episode. Have a good evening.